your children, God, are free in you. God, be with Ron as he brings the message this morning. Help our hearts be open and ready to receive what it is that you have for us. Again, God, you are a blessed people. You love us so much. You desire so much for us. May we go out changed and challenged from your word today and having experienced your presence in a mighty and powerful way. Thank you again, God, for saving me. Thank you, God, for giving us all an opportunity for salvation and to be set free. We pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Good morning again. So I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you've braved the weather and all that good stuff. But um, I, I just today is just going to be one of those days. It's, God's already moving, and uh, so uh, I would just uh, encourage you to kind of buckle up and uh, get ready. And um, we are going to be wrapping up our series uh, titled "Freedom." And this has been kind of a longer series than, than we typically do. This has been eight weeks long and. Um, typically, we try to keep them like three to four weeks because it, sometimes it just gets long and tends to kind of lose interest. But this has not been one of those series uh, for really any of us that I, I've talked to. In fact, it's been one of those that people have been asking, you know, more, more, more kind of deal. And, and so we, uh, we are going to wrap it up today, and uh, I'm really excited about next week. Next week's going to be our Youth Sunday uh, the kids went through the 30-hour famine this weekend, and they're going to tell you all about that. And um, next Sunday, they're going to lead the service. And so um, you, you might get some real preaching next week, I'm just saying. Um, they, they, they're, gonna, they're fired up, and they're ready, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear what they've got to say. So I would just encourage you to, to come and be a part of that and support them uh, as, as they, they lead us. But this is going to be uh, today, just as we wrap up, it's going to kind of try to bring everything that we've talked about over the last seven weeks to kind of a, a culmination uh, of what it really means. And, and so one of the biggest pieces that comes out of our hurts and our hang-ups and, um, and our habits is pain, right? I mean, if, if you've ever been around a, a, an addict, um, pain is, uh, is there. It's not just experienced by the person in the addiction. It's, it, it's like collateral damage everywhere. It, uh, it's like a splatter effect. You know, um, my dad used to talk, always talk about his scatter gun because when you shoot, it's scattered. And that's what addiction does. The pain from, from addiction scatters everywhere. And, um, and so this series has talked a, a lot indirectly about pain, but today I really want us to focus in on that because uh, we need to understand that pain comes from it and we need to know how to deal with it. Uh, and then how do you begin that whole process? Because the one thing I know about the steps is that you can't complete the 12 steps or, or do these eight principles that we talk about uh, in this series. 
You can't do them just one time. If you do them just one time, you, you can recover temporarily. But there, if there's anything about hurts and habits and hangups that I know is they will always recycle themselves. If we don't allow God to continue to work in them and continually just, let, just trust him with them. Because what happens is when once we stop trusting him with them, we take them back ourselves and we try to deal with it and, and it just doesn't work that way. And so this uh, today is about how do we get to, the, to, to number eight in the principles and then how do we begin that whole process of allowing God to use it. And so uh, there's a very interesting piece of scripture in the Bible. It's found in Matthew chapter 5 in the beginning there and there's, it's it's the most popular sermon ever. It's the one that Jesus did on, uh, you know, from the mountain where he just began to speak to the people. He kind of got up where they could hear him and he began to talk to them. And he tells them, and, he, and as we read the, 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 the recap of it, as we read the scriptures that, are, that, that give us the account of it, we learn how to live. You, you want to know how to live your life as a believer? You, there it is. It's, we're going to kind of walk through those um, today, um, but they are the process of recovery. They're the process of us living life because life's always going to have hurts. It's always going to have things that are give us hangups and, and, and things that we could have habits of. And, and so this is about how do you deal with it? And so Matthew five is called the Beatitudes and it's just a, a really a process of that. And, and so let me just tell you and show you as we look back at the principles we've studied so far, how they line up with those, those scriptures. Uh, the scripture says that happy are those um, that, who know they are spiritually poor. Well, if you remember principle one, step one was realize I'm not God, that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and, and my life is unmanageable. Realize that we're not God. Realize that we are spiritually poor. And know that God's the one who is there to be able to do it. That, we, that there's this tendency we all have to do wrong. It's called a sin nature, and, it, and we've all born with it. We're all, we all struggle with it. But we're powerless to control it, and our life is just so unmanageable on its own. It will always lead us to hurts and habits and hang-ups. Happier those that are spiritually poor. They just don't know how uh, they don't have the power to do anything else. The, the second part, um, as we look at, you know, we're, we're kind of taking this word recovery and just using the letters of it to walk through it. But the letter E, the second principle is earnestly believe that God exists that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. That's just uh, when Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Earnestly believe that God exists. Know that he is real. I mean, listen, you can sit there all day. We can sit here and, and we can argue the fact that he doesn't exist. But that doesn't change the fact that he does. Okay? I just can, we can look around and there's, there, there's so many reasons why we can know, and we can have that discussion if you really want to, but for today, we just need to understand that he does exist. He's proven it. He's shown it, and there's too much evidence to, to, to contradict it, but, but they, it says, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted when we realize that he exists and that he 
that we matter to him, that we matter to him. Is there anybody that, in here that just doesn't want to matter to somebody? But the scriptures show us that God says that we all matter to him. We matter. And that we'll be comforted. He has the power to help you recover. Happy are the meek, Jesus said in that, in that sermon. Meekness is, is, is it's just, it means under control. It means strength under control, and it does not mean weak. It means that we are able to control the, the strength that we have. A stallion that has been broken and tamed still has the same amount of strength. But yet it's now under control. The Bible says, the happier the meek. Jesus made that very clear that when we, we realize that we have a strength, and it's under control that we're happy. But here's where the strength comes from, is consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. So he's got the power to make it happen. That power lives in us as a believer and, and follower of Christ. But when we choose to give it all over to him, then we see that strength under control. Happy are the pure in heart, Jesus said. Well, step four is this. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone that I trust. See, that's when you, we become pure in heart when we just are really just honest about who we are with God. Like he already knows. But when, we're just, when we open up and let him know that we trust him with who we really are. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. From the stage to the back of the building, nobody's got it figured out. We all need him. But when we come and we openly confess our sin to him, the, the things that separate us from him, then we become pure because of who he is, not because of who we are. Happier those who desire to do what God requires means voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Now listen, none of us want to admit it. I mean, we're all messed up, but none of us want to admit it. We, you know, that's part of it. But when we voluntarily come and we let him know that, that, that we know he's got changes he wants to make and we allow them to happen and we ask him to just move those things out of our lives, what an amazing place. That's where, that's when we do what he requires of us is to just trust him and let him be the one that changes us. I, I've, I sit down a lot with people and, and, and spend a lot of time counseling. It seems like lately I've spent a lot of time counseling, which is, I love it because that means God's using me to, to minister to people. That means he's working in lives. So I'm, I'm always open for that. But here's the thing. He, he begins to, to do that, and as we see it, then, um, then it's, it's we see him doing things that he wants to do in people's lives, that they're open to him moving in them. That there are people who say, you know what, God, I don't have it all figured out. I, I really don't know it all. I, I don't know how to do this on my own, and God, here, help me. I, I want to do what you want me to do. Man, I'm telling you, we can take a few people that are ready to do that, 
And we can take on hell with a water pistol. Because it's amazing what he can do with a few people who just voluntarily give him themselves and say, God, use me however. And that takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of strength to do it. But the strength isn't found, again, in us. It's found in him. And there's two beautiful pieces of this, of the Beatitudes. It says, happy are the merciful. Right, when I do my, just so you know, if, when I do my spiritual gifts inventory, one of the gifts, spiritual gifts that we're given when we become followers of Christ is mercy. And, and can I just tell you that on, of all the spiritual gifts that are listed in the scriptures that we receive, mercy is like that much on my list, right? I mean, it's barely, I can't even... It's like at the very bottom. Mercy is not something I have naturally. But because of who Christ is, it says happy are the merciful. Happy are the ones who who allow him to use them. Um, Merciful to the people that have hurt us. Happy are the peacemakers to people we've hurt. It's It's the step that says evaluate all my relationships. Offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me and make amends for harm I've done to others except when to do so would harm them or others. Mercy is not something that maybe comes naturally to many of us. But the Bible says is that happy are the merciful to those who have hurt us. The happier are those who say, you know what, I know that you can hurt me. I know that you have hurt me, but I forgive you. See, that's mercy. Because really what they deserve is a good throat punch and a kick in the shin. But what you give them is, is mercy. You give them love and you give them the ability to say, you know what, I'm not going to hold that against you any longer. Can I just tell you, that's, I just really don't believe that's something that you and I can do in our own strength. Somebody could argue that with me, I guess, but I'd... I'd I have found yet that it's really easy to do that, especially some of the hurt that many of us have experienced. It's not really easy to do that just on our own. It requires his power because we're powerless, remember? He's the one with the power. And so we have to evaluate all our relationships and through his power, offer forgiveness, be merciful because the Bible says, Jesus said from the mount that happier are those who are merciful. Happier those who are peacemakers, who go to those they've hurt and offended and say, I'm sorry. Last week we looked at what I believe is the maintenance stage of, of, of this step of, steps of recovery. It's, it's this, reserving a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to do it. Did it say to use the power you already have? No, no, no. He didn't say that. It's to gain the power because that's, you find that in that relationship with him through, through reading the scriptures that he's given you. The Bible is not just a book to be put on a shelf. It's, a, it's an alive piece of work that is as we read it and as we allow it to become who we are, it begins to change us and mold us because it was the words given to us to know how to live this life. We begin to 
look at ourselves and see who we really are and where we're at and what we need. And then there's this thing of prayer. See, I don't believe prayer is, is constantly this thing of, okay, God, fix my problems. Okay, God, let this happen for me. God, will you do this for me? God, will you fix that problem? Will you make that person like me? God, will you make this happen? God, will you make, give me this job? God, will you open that door? 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 See, sometimes I believe prayer, is, is, it happens just like this. Watch, 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 watch. listening it's not talking prayer is communication and some of us are so busy telling him what we want him to do that we've not even stopped for a second to just listen to what he wants us to do so that's where the power comes from we're so busy trying to find solutions to our pain that we're not listening to the real one who can take the pain away And then we come to today's step. It's the final one. It's the eighth principle on this road to recovery, and it's this. Yield myself to God to be used to bring the good news to others by both my example and my words. It's to yield yourself. It's to give yourself over so that God can use you to be the instrument that he wants you to be. We believe that... that that we're here for kind of three things, and we've kind of simplified them and brought them down, that it's, it's that we need to love him, to love them, and tell them why. See, I believe this eighth principle is one of the, the, the main reasons that we're even here today, is to be able to tell people that we love God, to be able to tell people that we love them, and to tell them why we do those and he says that the good news is what we're to share, and that is why we're able to do it. The good news is this, that Jesus you know, came to earth because God loved us so much, he sent him here to be a sacrifice, to give his life over, to pay a price that you and I couldn't pay for the penalty of our sin. We all have it. Every one of us falls, right? So that, that doesn't set anybody apart. Whether you wear you know, um, Gucci or... I don't know what, what George, isn't that what the in that Walmart brand or what I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Rustler, I don't know, whatever, you know, whatever you wear. If you wear Calvin Klein or you wear, you know, Joe Smith, I don't whatever. No matter what you have or what you do or how much you have or don't have, it says that we all sin and we all fall short. And so because of that, we're all separated from God. And so he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for our sins so that through his sacrifice, you and I could be made right. As we trust it and believe it, we become right with him and we get to live out the life that that. That he has for us. We get to live it out. And the life that he has for us isn't laying on a beach in the Bahamas all the time. Right? I'd love to be there. And if anybody wants to send me, I'll be glad to go. And I'll tell somebody about Jesus there. Okay? But for now, he's got me in like rainy Albemarle. And so I got to go tell people here about him too. Right? But he did that so that you and I could be made right with him. And we could spend forever with him. He loved us that much. He, he created you and me for a purpose. And it was to 
to have a relationship with him. But it's a choice that we get to make. It's something that takes effort from all of us. And so that's what we're going to kind of, part of what we're going to deal with today. God wants our experiences, the things that we go through, our hurts and our hang-ups and our habits. They are our hurts and habits and hang-ups because somebody else has got the same ones and they need us to help them get through theirs. So it's not just about you, it's not just about me, but it's about all of us working together. I'm going to wrap it up today, and there's a couple questions, a couple of things I want us to, to answer and talk about. It's, but why has God allowed my pain? Because you need to understand why. Some of you are asking that question, why has God allowed my pain? And then uh, why has, and how can he use it to help others? How can he help others through what I'm experiencing? So let's talk about the first part. Why has he allowed it? The first one is what I just talked about. He's given us a free will. He's given me and you a choice of how to live life. He's even given us the choice to believe in him or not believe in him. Isn't that pretty awesome? I mean, he says, listen, I'm not going to make you know that I'm, I mean, he could do anything to prove that he is real. I think he has, but, but he could do anything he wants to do to make us know that he's there. But he even says, listen, I'm not even going to make you believe I exist. I'm going to give you the choice. I'm going to give you the choice in how you live your life. We all have a free will. There's a, in Genesis it says that we were made in his image. So we were made to be like him. We were made to experience those things and to, to see him the way that he did, but we, that was broken. But he gave us the choice for us to just to choose whether we, whether we do it or not. Deuteronomy chapter 11, an interesting story, but it says this. He says, I'm giving you the, the choice today between God's blessings or God's curses. There will be blessings if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am giving you today. See, even in the early scriptures, it begins to talk about the choice that we have. We had a choice. We have a choice to believe him or not believe in him. We have a choice to accept him or not accept him. So you're free to do whatever you want to do. But you just need to know, though, there are consequences to every choice that we have. He says the choice to trust him and believe in him brings blessings. The choice to not believe in him can bring things that aren't so good. I, can I just tell you what I believe is not so good? To experience life without God's presence in my life. To not just get to experience him and know that I can give him whatever I'm going through, to be able to trust him, to know that he will lead me through what I need to be led through. What an amazing gift that he gives us when he just says, hey, you can reject me or you can, you can choose me. Either way, it's easy. But you need to know there are, there are consequences to both sides. He could have made us any way that he wanted us you know, to be. He could have made us where we have to get down three times a day and pray to him. He could have made us do that. He could say that is who you're going to be. But he says, nope. You can pray to me today or not. You can trust me today or not. It's amazing. 
the blessing, but it's a burden sometimes. Because guess what? We, we make choices, and they're not so smart sometimes. Quite honestly, they're kind of dumb. I mean, really. Sometimes I'm like, I have these conversations with myself. Anybody ever, maybe I'm just the only one. I'm just kind of the weirdo in the bunch, but that's okay. I'm used to that. But, you know, I'm like, man, why did you do that? Why? You had a complete choice to do something else, to do what you know is right, but you didn't do that. Like, why? And sometimes it's like, you know, some of the dumb, the, the hard things I go through in my life, it's not because God let that happen. It's because Ron let that happen. Because he was, a, you know, a knothead and, and chose to do his own thing and not what God would want him to do. Because here's the thing, the bad part about free will is this, that he gives you a free will, right? And he gives you and I free will. But he not only gives you a free will, but he gives everybody else a free will too, doesn't he? So guess not, not only do we have to deal with our own dumb choices sometimes, we've got to deal with everybody else's dumb choices too. And so many of the hurts and the hang-ups that we have are because of other people's choices. Because they've chosen to do what would be harmful to someone else. You know, we can say, yeah, you, you chose that. Because that's what I hear a lot about uh, uh, addicts. You know, man, they chose that. Yeah, well, they did. But you know what? Their kids didn't choose that. And their spouse didn't choose that. And their mama didn't choose that. But yet, I, what I see working at the funeral home is I don't necessarily, I, I see what their choice got them. But then I have to see what their choice got everybody else around them. And I can tell you it's heartbreaking. So our choices have not only responses, you know, responses for us, but they have them for everybody else as well. So God has given us a free will. He allowed our pain so that our pain will hopefully allow us to make better choices. Sometimes, you know what? You can tell your kid that that stove's hot, but until they burn their finger, they don't really believe you. Yep. It hurts. But until they feel it burn, they don't know it. So God allows it to happen to help us understand what we can, what we can do. The second is that God allows our pain to... It will get our attention. He will get our attention. He uses pain to do it. Pain is a warning light that there is something going on. There is often, it's often a warning light that we are drifting away from God. He will allow pain to happen so it will, it will wake us up. I was just having that conversation with somebody this morning. Sometimes we go through things. God allows us to go through it so that when our pain happens, we'll, be, we'll, we'll look back at him. And we'll begin to trust him more. And we'll begin to, to see what it is that he has for us more. See, it says that something's wrong. Pain's not your problem. Your depression, your anxiety, your fear is not really your problem. It's a warning light that, that there is something going on. Sometimes pain is a megaphone yelling at you and me to tell us, hey, you need to slow down. 
hey, you need to look up. You need to get yourself, you know, get out of your own problems and look up for a second. Sometimes most of the most exhausting thing is to just sit with somebody who only wants to focus on their problems. Is all they want to do is talk about what's wrong. You know, and I, man, some of y'all may have been in one of these conversations before with me, but I'll finally just say, so, so tell me what's going right. <laughs> oh, she's not in here. So I'm, in, I'm having a conversation with my daughter, Allie, last night. This is what happens when you're a preacher's kid. I'm just doing it while she's not in the room. But we're having a conversation, and she's been sick all week. She's had a really, she's had a tough week. I, I give her that. But so we began to talk. I said, tell me what you learned this weekend. Tell me, tell me about, your, you know, what did you learn from the 30-hour famine? And she kind of began to tell me, like, all these kind of negative things. And it, and it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't anything bad, so don't, don't worry. It wasn't. But she just began to kind of, like, she was picking out all the, you know, you got them little fuzz bunnies on your clothes. Right? You're kind of picking them off of there. That's kind of what she, I felt like she was doing, was picking the fuzz bunnies off of her weekend. And I, and, and I said, I mean, we're going through the round. I can tell you exactly. We were going through the roundabout at Ridge Street. And I've kind of, I almost wrecked because I looked over and I said, so, so tell me what you learned. What was good this weekend? Because I, I didn't want to hear that because that wasn't, you know, that, that wasn't what the focus should be. The focus needed to be on what's good. See, that, I, can I just tell you that sometimes that's the conversation that I end up having with some, some y'all. Okay, I'm just, I hesitated a second, like, no, I'm going to say it. Because we, and, and let me just tell you, that's probably the conversation you have with me sometimes. Because it's so easy to focus in on the negative. But God says, no, no, get my, let, me, let me give you those things. Let those things happen. But, but I want them to do this, not do this. I want you to focus on me, not on, on everything else. Proverbs 20, verse 30 says, Physical punishment cleanses away evil. Such discipline purifies the heart. Sometimes our pain that we go through in life the, that we kind of tend to want to focus on, it's really there to, to, get the, to get the bad out so that we focus on the good. Let the negative Focus you in on what is good. Become hypersensitive to what's good in your life. There is good stuff going on. Listen, you're breathing. One day I was, doing, I was working a funeral, right? And, and the guy, this guy came out, and he was, granted, he was hobbling. He's having, I, it was rough. I said, how are you today, sir? He said, oh, I'm just having a bad day. I just, and I'm thinking, you're better off than that guy. He's laying in a box, right? I mean, you know, I'm, seriously. Sometimes we just got to find the good in, in, in what's going on. Physical punishment cleanses away, such discipline purifies the heart. To be able to see the negative and know that, that, that there, is, there is something good on the other side of that. I had a pair of shoes one time that I really loved. And they were like these really casual loafers, and, and they fit so good. They felt so good on my feet. But you know what happened? They, they finally, eventually, they kind of cracked right across here. Had one little crack. Didn't even realize I had it for a while until, we, until it rained. 
Didn't even realize it when I left my house. It was when I got to where I was going, I think it was Food Line or somewhere, and, and I stepped out of my car into a puddle. And immediately, it was like this cold, wet feeling in my foot. And I'm thinking, okay, it wasn't me because it was cold, right? You didn't think, I, sorry. Anyway, <laughs> when you get 50, you got to start asking those questions. I'm just saying. But no, no, it, but you're like, it's like it was cold and wet. And it was like, oh, my gosh. Y'all ain't never going to hear that ever again in another. <laughs> anyway, I'm just being real with you. We're going to get to that. But it's cold and wet, and, and I'm thinking, man, my favorite shoes, they still feel so good, but they are broken. And so, y'all, <laughs> I better look at my notes before I get in trouble. Anyway. So what happened is I wore those shoes for a while, but, but they were, what they were doing was they began to hurt my feet more than help my feet. See, the, what happens is we've got to be able to see them for what they are because they were broken and they were no good anymore in reality. They couldn't function because shoes are to keep our feet dry, right? They weren't doing what they were supposed to do anymore. It was time to get rid of them. And so I had to purify. I had to move them on out. I had to get something new because, you know, these shoes were broken, and for many of us, we need to be able to realize that, you know, soggy shoes and, and socks and, and all that stuff, you know, that, that's not good for us. We need to get rid of them and bring something new in. Begin to let God get your attention because he wants to do something new in your life to get rid of the old broken stuff and bring healing and wholeness to you. Some of us have been broken and hurt so long, we just let it, you know, it's like the, new, you know, the neighbor next door that we really like. We just let them hang out with us. No, let the brokenness be dealt with and he'll let God get your attention and begin to, to do something new. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 says, now I am glad I sent it. See, God allows pain to come sometimes. But Paul's saying to, to them, he's, he's writing, he says, now I'm glad I sent some, you know, he's, as he's talking to them, because, not because it hurt you, because he was really honest with them. Right? He sent them a letter to, to get their attention. He says, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Sometimes we get soggy, wet, cold feet because God wants to get our attention. And he wants to change us and make us whole. Quit walking around with the same pain and hurt in your life. God wants your attention. He wants to heal you. He's the one that can do it. Not, not Facebook. Not, not, you know, Dr. Phil. Not even Pastor Ron can. He can, though. Trust him with it. It says it was that kind of sorrow of God. It, it's, it, was that, it was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so you are not harmed by us in any way. Listen, he wants us sometimes to have to feel the pain so that we get his attention. And so, so he gets our attention. So we become focused on him. Some of the greatest ministries have come out of people's pain. Listen, celebrate recovery at Uari Community Church wouldn't be what it is today. And God's doing some cool stuff in it, y'all. I'm just telling you. But it wouldn't be what it is already if it wasn't the pain for the pain of a particular family in our church. They had to go through some really hurtful stuff. And really... Honestly, for a lot of families, that God had to take through some hurtful stuff. 
for us to be able to minister to the people that he's sending our way. What is it that he wants to do with your pain? Think about Jonah. You know, the story of Jonah is really, really cool, and we're actually going to do a series this year uh, on Jonah, and we're going to kind of talk about it, and um, it's going to be really cool to, to just dig into his life and, and what God did with him. But, but he, he says this, As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. He says, listen, when things were really bad, who did he remember? He didn't remember, you know, that episode of Oprah he watched. I'm just getting them all today. He didn't think about what Wendy Williams said. He didn't think about any of those. No, he thought about the Lord. Because he wanted, God wants our attention when we're hurting. He wants us to focus on him. The third thing is this, to teach me to depend on him. He wants to teach us to depend on him. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, he says, We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. You ever felt like you wouldn't live through something? I dare to say if you're at least 20 in this room, you've probably been through something that you may have thought you weren't going to make it through. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God, who raises the dead. Anybody in here able to raise somebody from the dead? I've been in a room full of them, couldn't bring none of them back. That's a true story. Right? I mean, not everybody can say that, I guess. But I have. But he can. And he did rescue us from the mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Isn't that a great promise? That he's rescued us before, and he will continue to rescue us. I love that song we sing that says, you know, he'll do it again. He will. Sometimes we're, maybe we're afraid to, to turn our lives over to him because we, we we, maybe we think we might need him again later. But, you know, like we don't want to use up our only shot. Man, we're better than cats with nine lives, y'all. God's always there, and he's always ready to rescue us. It's, it's not an excuse to go out and just live however, but, but it is to know that whatever we go through, that he will be there to bring us through. You don't know God's all you need until that's all you got. Till you get down to that point of just trusting him. That's all you can do. Psalm 119.71 says, My suffering was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your decrees. That it, got, it gets our attention and it depends, helps us learn to depend on him. Man, pain begins to be something, not so much that we look forward to, but, but I don't know about you, but as I kind of process this, this process through this this week, I began to see where, you know, God, I don't want you to call. Please don't send me any more pain. But I know it's probably going to come, and so thank you. Thank you for your word that you, that you teach us 
how to not only you know, get focused on you, but then to how to depend on you. And then number four, he allows our pain so it will give us a ministry to others. That it will give us a ministry to others. He allows us to do that so that we can help other people where they are. 2 Corinthians 1.4, he comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. Man, the other day as I'm sitting across the table from this guy as he's sharing with me, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling what, I mean, it was taking me back to where, to, I mean, it was like I could have closed my eyes and it could have been me telling the story, right? And, and, and so as I'm there, and then as he shares with me, and then I'm, I'm able to share back with him, and I could see it. I could see it just kind of peeling off of him. To be able to have a hope of what God can do in his life and in his marriage and in, 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 in all the struggles that he's going through right now. Some of you, I've sat in that room and I've been able to watch God peel that away from you because you begin to have hope that, that God could do more through what you're going through. I think everybody needs some kind of recovery. Maybe there's some of you that would argue with me, but I think whether it's, it's mental or physical or spiritual, social, relational, whatever it may be, I think all of us go through something that, that allows us that we could apply in, these eight principles to, and, and it would totally change how we look at certain things in our lives. So as we go through it, who better than to help somebody else go through it than somebody who's been through it? And that's why I celebrate recovery, I think, is doing what it's doing right now. And people are beginning to see is because people aren't afraid to just be honest and sh- let God use their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups and his process of bringing them through that to help other people now see the hope that they can have. In the, in the Bible, there's this beautiful story about Joseph. And uh, man, from the very start, I mean, his, his dad loved him greatly, and and uh, things just looked really up. But but there was a problem. He had some people in his life, his his brothers, who just didn't like him, and they were they were they were mad at him because they thought he thought he was better than them, and all of this stuff. And they began to mistreat him. And people did not only did they hurt him, but throughout life, things just kind of kept coming at him where he would get opportunities, and God would put him in particular places, and you think, oh, man, what an amazing thing. God's brought him to this place, and then all of a sudden, boom, the feet would come out from under it, and it would just be this, you know, whether it's in a dysfunctional family or dysfunctional, you know, household or, or dysfunctional, you know, leaders or whatever it was that he dealt with, he would always find this pain. I mean, even to the point of finding himself in prison and, and, and being accused of things that he didn't do. But then we see God take all of that that he went through and, and then finally bring it to a head where he's able to do some amazing things. He finds himself before his brothers and them in need of something from him. Now I know what Maybe you think you would do. I kind of know what I would do 
the people that hurt me, if I found myself in front of them and they needed me for something, man, I would, I'd want to get them, right? I mean, we'd want to make them pay a little bit, at least. But he didn't. He loved them and he took care of them. And so in Genesis 50, verse 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for, for good, all of it for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Some of us in this room have gone through some difficult stuff so that we could be part of God saving the lives of a lot of people. And you got to decide, because you got a choice, right? You've got a free will to choose what you're going to do with it. So how does he use my pain to help others? We're going to get through this really quick. I know some of you are like wiggling in your seat and all that stuff. I get it. But I think we got to finish this out. How do I use my pain to help others? It comes out of this. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Always be able to give an answer for the hope that you have. And see, today, if you've got hope in Jesus, if you've accepted him as your Savior, then you have hope of eternity with him. That that, that in itself should, should pick you and me up and should hold us a little bit taller, not in a prideful way, but just in the fact that you and I know that we can take on whatever comes our way because of who we have that's supplying the power. And somebody's going to look at you and say, man, how can you do that? How can you get through this? How can you survive being treated the way that you've been treated? How can you survive the fact that you've lost somebody that you love? How can you, how can you face the fact that you lost your job that you really desperately need? How can you face the fact that you know, that, that somebody talked about you? How can you face the fact that somebody, you know, just doesn't love you like you want them to love you? How can you face the fact that, that you have this addiction in your life, but yet you've overcome it and you're able to, to withstand it and not give into it? How in the world can you do that? And then you've got to be able to answer that question. You know, on my own, I couldn't do that. But because 2,000 years ago, God loved me so much, he sent his son Jesus to come and pay the price for me. So that because I separated from him, I could never do it. But because of what Jesus did and paid the price for me, and now I can trust him and believe in him, and that his power lives within me now, I have the power to overcome this, and I can stand up a little bit taller whenever I face whatever I face. It's the hope. It's the answer. It's Jesus. And we got to always be ready to give that answer. That's how we help other people. Galatians 6, verse 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Listen, sometimes the hardest thing that I do is look somebody in the face and say, there's a problem. It's hard to do. 
Whether it's an addiction, whether it's a, you know, they're just wrong about the way they're treating somebody else, whether they're, you know, they've made bad choices, whatever, it's hard to do. But it's got to be done. Sometimes the hardest thing that you're going to do is look at somebody that you love and you've got to say, you have a problem. But the Bible says that, that you, out of your pain, out of what you've been healed from and brought through, you've got to be able to say, listen, you've got a problem, but I know the answer. I know how to overcome it. It's not that you just have a problem. I don't want to just accuse you of something that you've done wrong. I want to help you not deal with that any longer. When we get out of the, the mindset of pointing out everything wrong with everybody else and begin to deal what's wrong with us and, and let God bring us out of it and then use us then to help that person, see, you can't do it. You can't take two broken vessels and try to you know, make something whole out of it. You can't do it. you got to be whole first. But as he's healed you and he's brought you out of what you've dealt with, then he can then help you help somebody else he wants to use your pain to help somebody else and if they can't see it in you they're not going to see it for them either here's how to share your story very quickly three things be humble be humble just realize it you're not perfect be real right be real keep it real don't no, be honest about it. You failed three times, tell them you failed three times. Because we need to know it doesn't always work the first time. It's hard. And then don't lecture. God wants you to be a witness, not a defense attorney. None of us. Maybe if, if, you're, if you have a story to prove me wrong in here, I'll be glad to listen. But none of us came to Christ, those of us in the room that believed it, none of us came to Christ because somebody argued us into salvation. You're, you're never going to argue somebody in, into heaven. But you do have to be real. You've got to know the answer for the hope that you have. It's got to be who Jesus is and who he is to you that helps somebody else see him for who he truly is. So let me challenge you with four things really quickly. If you've not yet committed your life to Christ, then today is the day. Recovery, I believe, the way that God wants it to happen in your life doesn't happen without him in the middle of it. Today's the day that you acknowledge the fact of what he did on the cross for you. And the price is paid. And freedom comes from that price. Write it out. For those of us in the room that have been through recovery, that have God's brought us through some difficult times. Write it out. Put it down on paper. Let him speak through you and put it down so that you, can, you may need to see it. Maybe not today, but maybe in a, in a week or two when temptation comes, you need to know what he's brought you from. Write it down. Number three, commit yourself to some church family for support. Commit yourself to some church family for support. That's a, I'm going to be honest about that. That's hard to say. But listen, this might not be the church for you, where you find what you need to walk through this. 
I, I, this is not about you are a community church. Some, somebody I was talking with this morning, I said, listen, that ministry would be fine. I'm here to manage the ministries that God's given us. That's important to me, but you're way more important to me where you are and how healthy you are is way more important to me than, than all of the rest. Because if, if, if we don't take care of each other, then the rest of it falls anyway. But that's the truth. You matter more to me than any ministry in this, in this, in this building. Whatever you need from me, you, gotta, you let me know, and I will do everything I can to make sure that you got what you need. I'm going to tell you, though, what the, hope, what the hope of my answer is. You know, the, the hope I have, I'm telling you what it is. But I'll help you walk through that yourself any way that I can. You, you need to know that. But you need to be committed somewhere where you can find that. Number four, ask God to give you somebody that you can share your story with. If you've been through something difficult and God's brought you through it, find somebody that needs to hear your story. It wasn't done just for you, I can promise you. If your marriage has been healed, man, you need to be telling other people about their marriage and how it can be whole too. If you've been brought out of an addiction, you need to be telling people how God brought you out of that so they can have hope to see that through in their life. For some of us in the room, we've dealt with some stuff in our lives that God has brought us out of. Some of you have been angry all your life. God's helped you overcome that. Man, tell somebody because there's angry people all around us. Just go drive the roundabouts in Albemarle. You'll see them. Angry people. By the way, the yield sign is if somebody's in the... Wait. I'm just saying. Anyway. Hey, I'm one of them. See, that's how I know there's angry people in the roundabouts. I'm one of them. But seriously, we got to figure out how to get through this. So today, let me just help you understand that there is good news. And there is a heaven that awaits us when we trust him and we believe in him. And there is a heaven that we can experience the perfection of who God is and all of his creation. But this isn't it. And so there's always going to be bumps and there's always going to be hurts and there's always going to be hang-ups and habits that we're going to have to deal with. But he gives us a blueprint to do it. See, heaven's going to be amazing. See, there's, this, there's, there's two, re, two things you need to understand. Heaven has this about it, that there is no sin, right? So when you get to heaven, you don't have to worry about sin anymore. But the other thing is, when you get to heaven, you're not going to be able to tell anybody about it. Because we'll be there. And we won't want to tell anybody else. So today, you have an opportunity to understand that God can take your story and change somebody else's eternity. And I very simply ask you, what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Is it going to keep being all about you? I'm talking to myself too. Is it just going to be about us? Or is it going to be about the real plan that he has for us, and that's that we spend forever with him? When you get to heaven, who's going to be there because of you? See, there's going to be some people say, man, you, because you were part of, you are a community church, and you gave, and I was able to come there and hear the gospel, and I'm, I'm in heaven because I heard the gospel and believed it there. Thank you for being a part. 
thought, that's awesome. But here's what I want. Who's going to be there and say thank you because you told me about Jesus? I accepted him, and I'm here today. See, I think we're all going to be held accountable for that question. I'm not going to be held accountable for it because I have pastor in front of my name. I'm going to be held accountable for it because I have Jesus follower before my name. Who am I telling about them? Who's going to be in heaven because I told them? The challenge is the same for me as it is for you. Why does God allow our pain? It's so we'll trust him more. And that we'll be able to tell other people about him and what he has for them. Who are you going to tell? God, today, I thank you. God, I know these last few weeks have just been some long messages. And I know I'm just not that good to listen to. I know it's hard. But God, I, I just believe today that, that I've shared what you told me to share. And God, I know the, the tendency would be to, to get out of here and, and go and, and move on to the next thing, to whether it's lunch or family time or whatever it is. But God, in these next few moments, I just believe that you want to do something beyond any of that. God, I believe in this room there's, there are people that need to accept your offer of forgiveness that is extended to them today to trust you and believe that you love them so much that you gave your son for them, that, that you gave such an amazing sacrifice for them. And it's because you wanted to have a relationship with them. And so God, today I pray that whoever it may be that just needs to, to just trust you, today and accept you as Savior, that this would be the moment that they do it. God, for those in the room that have made that decision, God, they've let life just overwhelm them and take them away from who it is that you want them to be, that today would be the day that they would just, they would give in and, and just give it to you. That God, they would give you their attention, let you teach them and know they could depend on you. God, maybe in the room today, there's just some people that need to commit to tell others about you. To just say, you know what, God, I'm, I'm just ready to, for you to use me wherever you send me. That I'll be willing to tell people about the hope that I have. Because it's the same hope that they need to. So God, I pray that you have freedom in this place. To give us freedom. Pray that in Jesus' name.